Greetings, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. Welcome. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now, if we choose to. There are a number of things that are going on, a great many things actually, that are impacting on the security of the United States of America, on the future safety and well-being of the United States of America. And even though the national leadership of the nation and the leadership of the nation within the individual states and municipalities leaves, shall we say, a bit to be desired, when there are positive developments, for whatever reasons, however they happen to come about, when there are positive developments, then we should be thankful for those. And one such development was the announcement by the president, Donald Trump, that so-called transgender people would be banned from military service. And there's much hoopla over what was behind this, what was the reason for this, or what were the reasons for this, what was the reasoning for this. And it has been suggested that the reasoning had to do with funding, just dollars and cents decision, which is entirely possible, and I would go so far as to say highly probable, even though that is not why this decision should have been reached. Even though there are those elements that certainly pertain to it, the overriding reason why so-called transgender people such as those championed by the former president as he left office, if you will recall. The overriding reason why they should be banned from military service is because of what military service, so-called, is supposed to be. What is the nature of military service? I saw a story today pertaining to a former president, not Barack Hussein Obama, but instead James Earl Carter Jr., Jimmy. Trust me, Carter. And it was pertaining to health care. And he was injecting himself in the national discussion and managing to obtain some, some more attention and press and to further his agenda. And he, make no mistake about it, he is a mover and shaker. He is one of the world planners. one of the internationalists, one of those behind the New World Order. Yes, dear old Jimmy, Baptist, Southern Baptist, Sunday school teacher, Jimmy Carter. Well, during the good old days, back when we had economic malaise under Jimmy Carter, Jimmy was behind any number of very bad developments for this nation, including integration of women into the military academies, into the service academies, military service academies. So West Point and Annapolis and the Air Force Academy and Coast Guard Academy, so forth. 
Jimmy Carter, who had been professional military, career military, graduate of United States Naval Academy at Annapolis, and who used political wiles to further his military career uh, through the nuclear submarine force to hitch his fortunes to the chief of submarine operations. Well, Jimmy Carter oversaw <laughs> the, the destruction of our military, in part. But Jimmy is still at it. And the Clintons, Bill, Bubba, and Hillary, his co-president, certainly had a great deal to do with diminishing the United States military. And even though Bill famously made great demonstrations, you know, like as far as when they have these wonderful parades, military parades and processions and so forth, he was always Johnny on the spot for those. But behind the scenes, what Bill and Hillary and Barack and Michelle and Jimmy and their ilk have done to our military is to do everything in their power to destroy it. Why? Why have they desired to destroy our military? Why have they desired to weaken and to diminish and to dilute the strength of the military in every way, shape, and form? It's because they side with those who are the enemies of the United States of America, whether they happen to be foreign or domestic, the great world planners, those who see the United States of America as the last great bastion opposing them in their efforts to enslave the entire world, to achieve this worldwide hegemony, not Islamist hegemony, even though they employ the Islamists only too willingly. They will use the Islamists, but it's to achieve their own hegemony. But President Trump, our Twitter-in-chief, or chief tweeter, or you might say chief twit, he issued the announcement that these so-called transgender people, which happens to be, in point of fact, intellectually dishonest, not speaking of him being intellectually dishonest, of President Donald Trump, even though, <laughs> in other respects, I may, but speaking of the complete, utter, fraud, sham lie of their being transgender, of their being other genders, not male, not female, neither male nor female, but other genders, just like the wonderful state of Oregon, under the leadership of its Department of Transportation, who are insisting on foisting this on the people of Oregon at great expense to have a third gender on driver's licenses and for it to change all of the state records. Everything having to be conformed to that, changed for that, perverted for that in order to enable this perverse public policy. So with regard to our military, it has been under attack for decade upon decade upon decade upon decade. To feminize it, 
to neutralize it, to neuter it, to diminish it and weaken it, to corrupt it and pervert it, to bring in satanic elements and have the chaplains trained in how to, quote, minister to members of the Church of Satan, not to evangelize them. Heavens, no. To bring in Islam, imams, their clerics, and to absolutely bring about the demise of our military. What is the purpose of the military? If the military is just the same as investment banking or real estate, residential real estate, commercial real estate, small business of this variety or that variety, or any other type of industry that you care to imagine. If it's the same, then yes, of course. Of course. We should have freedom for women to be involved in that and so on and so forth. But if the military is distinctively different, if its mission is critically focused on defense of the United States of America, not a career path for anybody that chooses to opt for that, not just another profession, another career for anybody and everybody to pursue. Then, then there should be distinction in which women are not incorporated. But no, in the vast, great, wise leadership of the United States Supreme Court, which has been corrupt and perverse and profane for decade upon decade upon decade upon decade, and ad nauseum, in their overwhelming, righteous, just wisdom, they ruled that the service academies had to be integrated and everything had to be conformed to enable that integration. They did not have to be academically dumbed down, but they had to be dumbed down in other respects. And, in fact, the entire military. And you've probably seen some accounts here and there about that even special forces now are being examined for ways to enable women to be in the special forces. And there's been great hand-wringing over there not being women in special forces. If the military and law enforcement, but especially military, is different from other pursuits of life, if its mission is the defense of this nation, then it should be focused solely on that. And what is required for that and necessary for that and most helpful for that should be what holds sway. But not only from a physical standpoint, it's true that in today's military, enormous physical strength to wield weapons of antiquity are not required. If it comes down to operating a computer or a drone, these are things that a woman could do. Reasonably speaking, every bit as well as a male counterpart and possibly better. 
But it's not just about physical abilities. It's about whom should comprise the military. And the United States of America has followed, has copied, has emulated the communist regimes and has integrated its military. Going back to the days of the Cold War, we imitated and emulated the communist regimes. The heathens, the pagans, the anti-Christian, anti-Christian communist regimes to make ourselves like them. The Bible never enters in. Biblical wisdom, biblical commandments, biblical directives never, ever, ever hold any importance, let alone sway. It's all about the corrupt, perverse, non Righteous, unrighteous, ungodly, pseudo-morals, pseudo-culture, pseudo-mores that supplant that which is righteous and just. And removal of all sex roles. Removal of all sex stereotypes, so-called. It's not only in that realm, but it's also with regard to racial, as we see across our nation, where you undoubtedly have noticed there is an enormous increase in the amount of advertising that is promoting interracial marriage and or intimate relationships and family relationships. Not with people of different races being friends, being neighbors, working alongside each other, being members of the same church, but no, but being married or being in intimate relationships, the mingling of the races, it's enormously promoted now, enormously, across advertising for Everything from soup to nuts. Why is that? Do you suppose? Is it just by accident? Is it just by happenstance? Or is it in fact intended to sway behavior? Is it in fact sophisticated behavior modification? With regard to the military, going back years now, it was noted that the women on board the ships, the Navy ships, aircraft carriers, destroyers, so on and so forth, that on any given day, 10% of the women were pregnant. 10% of the women were pregnant. Does that possibly have any impact on our military mission, on Mission-critical <laughs> matters? Possibly? Could it? Just possibly? How many times have you seen the promotion of this idea that a mother with one, two, three, four, five children is being deployed to Iraq or Afghanistan or elsewhere around the world and daddy stays home? And we see some touching advertisement with mommy being brought home and she meets the family and they are reunited. It's so touching. And she's wearing her camouflage fatigues. And daddy is Mr. Mom at home with the children. This is supposedly a great step forward, a great stride forward. We have improved so much. We are so enlightened no time ever do you see anything that illuminates, that shines a light on the fact that our military is weaker 
less fit, less able to defend this nation because of the so-called integration of the sexes. But that's not enough. That's not enough. We have to actively promote sexual perversion in the military. Actively promote recruitment of sodomites into the military. And promote them. Promote them in the sense of promote them into higher and higher positions of authority. Just as, in fact, we have promoted women into the highest military ranks even when they themselves have not had any battle experience. It's just remarkable. But after all, we need to be fair. It's so intellectually dishonest, and it's so twisted and perverse and foolish beyond foolish And our enemies, and we do have enemies, and it's not just Islamist terrorist cells, even though our great leaders would have us believe that's all there is. It's just the occasional rogue regime and Islamist terrorist cells, which, of course, typically are not referred to that way because that's just not sensitive, and that is biased, and that is so on and so forth. But that's not enough. Now we have to have the promotion of these so-called transgender people and to use significant military resources to facilitate the crossing from gender to gender. Unbelievable. This is what you have when you have a complete, utter societal breakdown. When you have insane government. But it's not the classic definition of insanity, which is never used anymore. (laughs) It's instead a matter of leaders who are dedicated to evil, who are dedicated to perversity, to overthrowing, overturning, subverting, corrupting, perverting, destroying the fabric of society. And bringing the United States of America down so that the entire world can be brought down. They don't have some narrow objective of merely wanting to bring the United States of America down. It's not just a matter of that they despise the founding of America, which they do. It's not just that they despise what America stood for for hundreds of years. No, it goes far beyond that. It's a matter of that the United States of America has been an impediment to the worldwide enslavement of the peoples of this earth. And so it must be brought to an end. It's the same reason that the European nations needed to be stripped of sovereignty, of national sovereignty, needed to be stripped of national identity. And not only the continent of Europe, but in Britain, United Kingdom, and around the world, you see the same push. Again, it's to mingle everybody together, mingle all of the nations together, mingle all of the races together, so that there is no identity. It's so that people lose their identity. They lose their history. They cease to understand, to have any true understanding of the past. And they can be enslaved. That's the great push. So when Stephen Hawking comes along and he says that 
for the sake of perpetuating mankind, to keep humankind from being made extinct, we need to leave the earth. We need to find substitute earths and populate those. It plays perfectly into this because it eliminates everything that's gone before. And it enables these world planners, these social engineers to decide what people will exist, will continue. It enables them to wipe out billions of people and to create the society that they want. But Donald Trump, as far as why he came out with this, that transgender people should be banned from the military, why he would come out with such a terrible, draconian decision as that, so backwards. (laughs) Oh, well, supposedly it's all about the money, all about the cost. And maybe it was. But if that is why the decision was made, well, thank goodness for that. Because this nation's military, it's not just about military readiness, as important as that is. It's not just about military fitness, as important as that is. It goes much deeper. Of course, the enlightened leaders, they would have us believe that any link between spirituality, spiritual truth, which they deny exists, God Almighty and the Word of God, any connection between that And our existence is strictly a matter of superstition and so forth. Unless, of course, it's Islam. And then, of course, they are extremely respectful of that. And they will make all manner of concessions for that. For Islam and for Buddhism and for Church of Satan and so forth. But... For Christianity, that the idea that there was any connection between sin and God's judgment on a nation, that is just so backwards and so ridiculous and so old-fashioned and antique and arcane and so forth. And yet, if you look back in God's Word, you will find that God saw fit to screen out, to filter out peoples from the military so that he could bless the military in going forth to war for the defense of the people. Now, as long as you have the society corrupted and perverted, then even if it were possible to have the military spared that corruption and perversion, I could not imagine how God could bless that military. But how much more so when the military is the tip of the spear, if you will? How much more so when the military is the epitome of the corruption and perversion, of the vile degradation plaguing the nation. How much worse? The idea that the nation is strong, that the nation is in good hands. These military advertisements, commercials that have been going on now for decades, I've just been amazed at them. You know, they uh, again, they always, they play it up that it's the 
evidence of how advanced we are as a nation, how strong we are as a nation, how superior we are as a nation, that we have women in the military. That mothers are in the military. That mothers leave their children behind. Whether they happen to be single mothers or whether they happen to be women who are married, whose husbands are back at home while they go to fight our battles, wage our wars. If we were to be so backward as to go back to the Bible, we would find that not only were there no women in the military, no sodomites, unlike ancient Greece, but that no young men were accepted into the military, were sent off to war, who had not reached the age of 20. And that's even though people were not necessarily living any longer than we are today. But they were not employed in the military, and military was not a career in Israel. But they were not employed in the military. They were not sent off to battle. They were not sent off to war unless they had reached the age of 20. And meanwhile, we are so advanced. We are so superior. We had how many teenage boys die in Vietnam? We had how many teenage boys be maimed and mutilated in Vietnam? We had how many teenage boys wind up as prisoners of war? Prisoners of war of the Viet Cong. And how many left behind when we had our president achieve that peace with honor? It goes back further than that, of course. The Korean War, World War II. There were cases of boys who were young, young teenagers who managed somehow or other to join the military. And some of them fought with distinction. I heard, uh, I did not listen closely, <laughs> but I heard a champion of the transgender movement the other day, the other night. I overheard it. Uh, I kept my distance because I didn't care to listen to the propaganda. But talking about how these transgender people in the military had served with distinction. Well, there are all manner of different definitions of what that means. Serving with distinction. But as far as self-sacrifice, heroism, is a very different thing from receiving some service ribbons and so on and so forth. If we want to bring destruction on our military and thereby bring violent destruction on our nation, then absolutely, we should open the floodgates to anything and everything in our military. We should remove all standards. We should. We should follow the leads of the Jimmy Carters and the Barack Hussein Obamas and the Bill Clintons and the Hillary Rodham Clintons we should follow the leads of those who despise the military, have shown evidence of despising the Secret Service, despising the FBI, despising, you name it, state troopers and everything else, and yet using them to the nth degree. We should follow the lead of those who believe the United States of America needs to be integrated into the world, one world regime, one world government, completely disappear as a sovereign entity. We're well on the way. 
And I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done, in case you didn't hear the introduction. But Donald Trump, for all, (laughs) all of his failings and all of his lack, (laughs) he deserves credit for when he actually gets something right, when he actually does something right. And this matter of banning transgender people from the military is getting something right. However lacking, it is getting something right. Perhaps you saw word of a United States admirable, admiral pardon me, over in Australia, Australia, outback, who in response to a question stated that he would obey an order from President Trump to launch a nuclear attack on communist China. This Navy Admiral perhaps should not have answered the way he answered. He's a man who obviously is lacking in diplomacy. And he answered in a very indelicate way. And there has been some maneuvering by the Pacific Fleet spokesman to qualify and condition what U.S. Pacific Fleet Commander Admiral Scott Swift stated. But what he really was saying, without trying to parse anything here, was that he would obey command from the United States president. That if the president declared war on communist China, that if the president ordered a nuclear strike, that he would carry out that command, that order. I know this is shocking to people out there who would say, no, wait a minute. He shouldn't do something like that. That would just be terrible. Well, the military requires... chain of command and requires obedience that exceeds that which we typically see in civilian life. And this is all the way from the bottom to the top, from the top to the bottom of the military. Is this idea that there is a chain of command that orders have to be obeyed and so on and so forth. And if you look back in the annals of history, you find time and time and time again cases of officers and soldiers obeying orders which were sorely lacking and incompetent and wrongheaded and ruinous and suicidal and disastrous but obeying them because of their belief that it was their duty to do so. Those who desire for the military to be changed into something else into an organization that will not be able to defend the United States of America
They attack the military in myriad ways, from within, from without. And when they have their people in charge, Barack Hussein Obama, so on and so forth, then if an officer would suggest that he would not be able, in good conscience, to execute an order, a command from the commander-in-chief, then they are up in arms about it. Right? How horrible, how terrible. We need something to be done about so-and-so. But if the president isn't their guy, then that's exactly what they want. You can't have it both ways, unfortunately. Uh, So this fellow, this admiral got himself in some trouble with various different people by saying that he would obey the president, that he would act on his command. It's just an interesting curiosity. Currently, there's something going on in the White House that has been made out to be war, war inside the White House. Well, what do you expect? The White House is a political institution. The White House is the head, if you will, of the federal government. It is headed up by the commander-in-chief who happens to be the politician-in-chief, the chief politician, the chief politico of the nation. And he is surrounded by those whom he has employed to serve him, to serve at his pleasure. And he has competing interests and competing players and all manner of competing politicians, not just congressmen, not just senators, those on the outside or those who have been brought in and the governors who have been brought in and are members of his cabinet. But all of these others who are professional staff members and others who've been brought in who are members of the brain trust and are brought in and are extremely richly successful on the outside and perhaps choose for one reason or another to serve, perform public service in some capacity or another for a period of time. But there are all manner of competing parties, competing individuals, all manner of different agendas. If you expect for one moment there is some sort of homogeneous policy It just doesn't work that way. In the presidency of Ronald Reagan, he brought on board a man as his vice president who was his opponent, his absolute opponent for the presidency. George Herbert Walker Bush, George W. Bush's daddy, father, former CIA director for a brief period of time, former ambassador to communist China for a time, a man who'd been a congressman, a man who'd done many things, a businessman, presidential candidate, runner-up to Ronald Reagan. And he brought him in, and shock of shocks, amazingly enough, George Herbert Walker Bush engaged in true war inside the White House in the sense of the political sense of war. Politics is warfare by different means. And George Herbert Walker Bush served himself and his purposes and his plans and his desires while acting as vice president for eight years. And he thwarted 
the intentions, the plans and purposes of Ronald Reagan. Unfortunately, Ronald Reagan did not select a man who was loyal to him. Instead, he went with somebody whom he thought could provide him with some electoral advantages. Terrible decision. One of many. And despite that, Ronald Reagan still accomplished some significant things. Even though the Senate was controlled by the opposition, not the loyal opposition, the angry, hateful, derogatory, backstabbing opposition, as was the House of Representatives. And then, of course, there was the Supreme Court. Despite all of that, despite the media being controlled by the left, and despite having a vice president who was not on his side, who was not in his corner, who was not his guy, who was not loyal to him. Say whatever else you care to say about George Herbert Walker Bush. He was not loyal to Ronald Reagan. Despite that, Ronald Reagan accomplished a great deal. Amazingly enough, incredibly enough. But now there is supposedly war in the White House. Well, there's been all kinds of turbulation in the White House, there will continue to be. There will continue to be great efforts to depose this president, this president who is so sorely lacking, who does not deserve to be mentioned in the same breath with Ronald Reagan as far as I'm concerned, who is so extremely different from Ronald Reagan. But who still manages on occasion to get it right, which is vastly much to be preferred over what we would be getting from the opposition, which is why people should have voted for him. Jeff Sessions obviously is not enjoying popularity with the president at this time. As far as I'm concerned, Jeff Sessions should have had better sense than to accept an appointment from the president. But Jeff Sessions was out there supportive of Donald Trump early on from pretty much the beginning. And the Alabama senators, Shelby and Sessions, for all of their imperfections, they have been my favorite senatorial tandem of any state in this nation for some time. And I think that the president is being incredibly foolish, incredibly foolish to try to dump Jeff Sessions at this time. But I fully expect that to take place very soon because the president seems to be bent on that. Strangely enough, the president had this great affinity for Sean Spicer. I, I, to my amazement, to me, the man was utterly incompetent, never, ever, ever should have been employed said some incredibly ignorant, stupid things, grossly failed the president, represented him terribly, but <laughs> even after he ceased to serve actively as press secretary, he was still there until... Until the entrance of Scaramouche. <laughs> you know who I'm referring to. Uh, but for some reason, President Trump, 
had some, I don't know, uh, great liking or whatever for Sean Spicer. So, Anthony Scaramucci. Scaramouche, for me, is now the new communications director. And he is getting things started with a sizzling introduction. (laughs) Well, fortunately for the president, despite all of his great lack. He now has a press secretary who is up to the task in Mike Huckabee's daughter. I think she's just excellent. Absolutely excellent. And the truth is, if I had had any say in whom the president would have as a press secretary, he would have had a woman press secretary, it would have been limited to women. That's right. (laughs) To act with integration, I would have limited the choices to women. But it took a while, and all manner of damage was done by incompetency from the press secretary. But now the president has a press secretary who I think is... uh, a very favorable point person for the president as far as how the exceedingly successful Anthony Scaramucci shall serve the president. I think it seems like he's kind of, you know, cut out of the same cloth as the president. And we'll see. We'll see how that goes. But uh, very successful, very extremely wealthy, very good-looking, and... uh, seems certainly capable of handling himself very well. But this so-called war in the White House, again, it diminishes so much compared to prior wars in the White House. And to me, it's more a battle of personalities and so forth than the war that took place behind President Reagan's back. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now if we choose to. Thank you.